0: They work with runners. That's what they do. They help runners get better, get healthy, run healthy, stay healthy, hit those goals. And so I met with one of the doctors. He was awesome, and he analyzed my my feet, which uh, was probably a little bit disheartening for him. I apologize. Hi, this is Caleb Dilly, and I'm a big-ass runner from the Hall of Fame city, Canton, Ohio. In Canton, we have a saying, you can't enjoy yourself unless you're out running the trails. Welcome to the Big Ass Runner podcast, where we entertain and encourage trail runners from all over the world. Now, here's your incredible host, Jeff Harrell. Dang, Caleb, what a great job on that intro, and appreciate the fantastic host part. No, I think he said incredible host. I translated that to fantastic because that's what I do. Well, thank you for that awesome introduction. And we might hear about Caleb here in a second. Little teaser. Little teaser. Well, my name is Jeff Harrell. This is the Big Ass Runner. And this is episode number, I can't believe this, 90. Number 90. We are getting close to triple digits in episodes. And I just want to thank everyone that listens to this show that supports it, that gives me kind words of encouragement, man, we just so appreciate you. And in turn, I think we have a great 90th episode for you today. Segment number one, you're going to hear about a race that will absolutely find itself on your bucket list. After you hear about this race, it is on mine. I can tell you that. And I'm hoping it finds its way to yours as well. So that's segment one. And in segment two, I'm going to talk about my experience at Run Lab. Run Lab is a place that analyzes, well, they do a lot of things, but one of the things they do is analyze your gait or your stride or your running technique, and I'm going to take you behind the scenes, in my experience, what would they do with a Clydesdale? That's really the question. So that's segment number two. But before we get to the show, I had a couple of things I want to cover. One is we love to read reviews. We ask for reviews. If you'll please go to Apple Podcasts and give us reviews. We have two brand new, well, fairly brand new reviews, and we read them all. And if they're four-star, three-star, two-star, one-star, we'll read them. We'll read them. These happen to be both five-star. The first one is from Ben's mom, 88. Ben, your mom is awesome. Because she gave us five stars. It says, Taking the Edge Off was the title. I was looking for a running podcast, not necessarily trail, not necessarily road. That's kind of like my running. I was just looking for something to listen to while at work or while I'm running or on my Peloton. Love it. I wanted something to listen to that would encourage me and also get pointers from Well, I found it with y'all. You seriously have taken the edge off this mind that doesn't stop overthinking things. I am basically a roadrunner, but by the end of the year, my oldest daughter wanted me to sign up for the 100K at the Havelina 100. That's awesome. Well, she did. She's running 100 miler for the second time. I'm also going to be pacing her at Eastern States. You guys hit trail running from so many angles, from pacing to working in the aid stations to running. I feel like I'm sitting around the campfire and talking and laughing with longtime friends. I've learned so much in the past two weeks as I binge listen to your podcast. Thank you so much for having such a fun, informative, and honest podcast. Just wish I could find Timmy time on Pandora to listen to when I run LOL, LOL. Thank you so much. What an, first of all, comprehensive review and awesome review. Ben, your mom is amazing. That's Ben's mom, 88. Thank you so much for that. And then from Caleb Dilly, who you heard from the intro. He just did the intro. He gave us a review. He said, must listen, exclamation point. Five stars. Couldn't recommend this enough. What really makes this podcast shine is their genuine friendship with each other and their guests. Not to mention how they engage the running community. Their humor is right up my alley and oftentimes has me laughing out loud at work. Keep up the great work, fellas. I'll continue to tune in. Well, we will. We will certainly give it our best shot, Caleb. And thank you for that amazing, amazing review. And thanks for Ben's mom as well. Well, that's one thing I wanted to cover. Thanks for those reviews. And if you'd love, it's a free way to support the show. Just go to Apple Podcast and give us a written review. The second thing, a couple of weeks ago, I shared with you that I had just gotten the new Hoka Speedgoat fives. I was very excited. I got the blurple color, a little bit, of little bit of blue, a little bit of purple, and was going to try them out. Unfortunately, I've been super. Bi- I was out last weekend at a guy's golf trip, which was great, and I've we've had a little bit of rain and hail and wind and all kinds of things. So I've only worn them one time. But I can tell you in the one time they felt lighter than the previous model and they uh, hadn't had them on before, put them on, ran, I think I ran five and a half miles in them. Great so far. I will keep you up to speed because I know one wearing will not a review make, but I just want to let you know I haven't forgotten about it. As I continue to wear the Speedgoat 5s, I will give you my honest opinion of them. about to wear them in a couple of weeks for a coyote run out uh, in cleburne texas so that will be give me a good taste if if i'm gonna like them or not they do have a funky heel on them though that flare heel easy to put on but i'm feeling a little bit like a genie running around in those maybe that's a good thing i don't know well with that let's get going on episode 90 of the big ass runner Well, I mentioned in the open that we're going to talk about a race here in segment one that you're absolutely going to want to put on your bucket list. And the reason why it's on my bucket list now, I have a goal to hit every state, all 50 states in the United States. I've hit, I believe I'm at 39, I got 11 to go. See how I did that math in my head right there. And Alaska probably going to be the toughest one left. I've been to Hawaii, I've not been to Alaska But one of the states on my list is Montana. I have never been to Montana. I want to go to Montana. It's been on my list for a while. And it's not just because of the show Yellowstone, although that certainly doesn't hurt. I just feel like Montana has so many cool things about it. And it's on my list. And you're about to hear about a race in Montana that you're absolutely going to want to put on your list We're going to chat with Alan Davis. Alan is the Director of Development for the Whitefish Legacy Partners. Hang on tight while we have a discussion about the race that you're absolutely going to want to put on your bucket list. Call it a bucket list. Well, now joining us on the Big Ass Runner hotline is Alan Davis. Alan is the Director of Development for the Whitefish Legacy Partners. Alan, welcome to the show.
1: Hey, thanks for having me.
0: I'm super excited because, like I said, right before you joined us on the podcast, I have this fascination with Montana. It is on my bucket list. Call it a bucket list. Not just because I watch Yellowstone. It happened way, way before that even. It's just a, a beautiful part of the country. I know Glacier National Park is amazing. And so when I heard about this race and I heard about what you guys do, I was super excited to have you on. So let's just start from the very beginning. Talk to us a little bit about what you guys do and why you do it.
1: Yeah, thanks. You know, I think as a a trail runner personally, also, it's something that oftentimes you don't think about when you're out on the landscape is, you know, who are the partners creating the trails? Who's maintaining the trails? How did it actually get built? And then who's ensuring that those trails are going to be there forever? Because as an organization, a nonprofit that is working on that behind the scenes, it's kind of what we want. We don't want people to be able to Have to think about all that stuff, just go out, connect the landscape, and enjoy it. But we work behind the scenes to develop recreation amenities really close to our town, and then we work to protect those lands that surround the trail for wildlife habitat, water quality, view sheds, uh, that sort of thing. So we're uh, a small 501c3 nonprofit, and we work to ensure public access on the lands that surround our community on a a managed trail corridor. And then along with actually developing a trail system, we're working to protect the lands that surround the trail in perpetuity to keep those lands in public use, but also keep those lands benefiting wildlife habitat and water quality.
0: And I imagine as a trail runner myself, we we see these trails and I think a lot of times we don't know what goes into maintaining them and, and keeping them, you know, safe and preserving the fact that they're there in the first place. And I know you're really close to Glacier National Park. I can imagine that's a a really probably valuable land that you have around there. Tell us a little bit about that and and kind of what your role is in maintaining those trails.
1: Yeah. So we got started about 20 years ago. And it's kind of funny to say it now, but at the time, property values were kind of at all-time highs. This is pre-recession. And so You know we are a gateway community to Glacier National Park. And so we rely heavily on on tourism. There's a lot of vacation homes here. And so the price of land was increasing so much that it was putting kind of this unprecedented pressure on our local open lands and local public lands. And what kind of sets Montana aside from some of the other states in the country is that the state trust lands that we do have, they are benefiting the Montana schools and universities. So We have land-grant colleges. I'm sure you've heard that term. And then the state has to generate revenue from those lands to support those school trusts. And they actually have a legislative mandate to do that. And in Montana, how they do it is cutting trees. I mean, the the majority of the income comes from timber production. They also have grazing, agricultural leases, they have commercial leases too. And so back in the early 2000s, the state was feeling this pressure in Whitefish to sell off because they could sell an acre of land here and maybe buy five acres of land you know, further outside of town and grow five times the amount of trees, thereby producing more revenue for the school trust. So there was this development plan for a section of state trust lands around our community, and the community caught wind of it and basically said, no freaking way. We do not want you to sell these lands because they're more beneficial to us than just generating revenue for the school trust, right? How can you put a price tag on recreation and public access? It's really difficult to do. So the state, you know, they came back to us, they said, sure, that's all great, but we still have to generate revenue. So we have this interesting dynamic between our organization, our partner at the city of Whitefish and the state of Montana here. And so what we've been able to do is create this model where the state continues to own the land, they continue to manage the forest for timber production, but then we have come in and we've purchased a, a public recuse easement from the state that not only ensures the public's right to access the whitefish trail system, but it also buys the development rights off of a larger swath of land so that that land can no longer be developed. It's kind of an interesting dynamic in partnerships, but we've been able to develop this strategy that also generates revenue for the state. So, just as an example, we had a project back in 2014 where we bought the development rights from the state on 1,500 acres of land. That was valued at the time around $7.3 million. You know, that money did not go to the state coffers into their general fund, it actually went into the state's permanent education fund which is a giant endowment. And so that money is still there, and every year it generates around $350,000 in revenue. And that money goes directly to the school trust, you know, Montana State, University of Montana, some of our other public school systems here. And so we've been able to create this model to show, okay, we can develop recreation amenities on our local lands, we can generate revenue from those transactions, and then we can protect those lands from development, so that we can ensure habitat connectivity, water quality, wildlife habitat, all of that kind of good stuff. So it's pretty complicated, but we are pretty proud of the work we've been able to accomplish.
0: Absolutely love it. I, I guarantee you, the the big ass runner herd right now is is applauding just because we <laughs> we are trail runners and it's something we were talking before before we actually hit record. We had Kelly Fain on a couple episodes ago. And she was talking about keeping the wild places wild. And I I just, I love what the work that you guys are doing, but you're also kind of figuring out a way to, to take care of that, that state mandate of of creating some funds while still protecting the land. I'd love you to tell us about the town of Whitefish. Cause when we started talking, I certainly did some Googling, looked it up and see where it was. I'm again, I've, I've never been to Montana. It's on my list. I'm fascinated with this. Tell us a little bit about the town itself.
1: Yeah, so to put it into context, we're way up in the northwest corner of the state. As the crow flies, I think we're only 40 or 50 miles from Canada. So we are the gateway communities to Glacier National Park that most people know about. But, you know, our our town was started as a railroad town uh, originally. We're on the transcontinental rail line that connects Seattle to Chicago. And so the railroad literally goes right through town. I think we have 50 trains a day that come through town that are carrying all kinds of stuff back and forth. And then, you know, the second thing that started our town is timber. You know, our forests are extremely vibrant here and we grow some pretty big trees. And so we've had very long history of timber production, logging in our community. And so, you know, full-time residents, we got about 7500 people that live in Whitefish full-time because we are a gateway community to Glacier National Park and there's a ski resort here. There's also a pretty big influx of Tourists and we, we rely heavily on a tourist economy in Whitefish, and we're lucky to get some benefit from that as well. So that's kind of the, the brief overview of Whitefish. Love it. One thing that you know is really unique to Whitefish, I'd say, is we have these kind of large swaths of public open land that surround our community, and so the Whitefish Trail the, the mission that we have is to connect those swaths of open public land with the trail system around Whitefish Lake, which is a, a pretty big lake. It's, I think, about 10 miles long. And so we want to, our, our mission and our, our goal is to create a, a loop trail around the entire lake. And we're getting close. We're, we've got a couple of other big projects to finish up, but we've got Whitefish Trail on the east side of the lake. We've got the Whitefish Trail on the west side of the lake. And then we've got an outpost at the end of the lake. And we're just working really hard to make those connections.
0: And it feels like if I'm going to visit Montana, Whitefish, Montana sounds like the perfect place. Like that's what, what I have in my mind when I think about Montana. So that's awesome. Well, talk to us a little bit. I know you've got it's got some some races coming up and I'd love to, for you to tell us about that. You've got a, a 50K, but talk about the, the races that you've got coming up in October.
1: Sure. So the Whitefish Trail Legacy run this year will be its 11th year. It's hard to believe we've been doing it that long and it's it's grown over the years as as we've kind of figured out how to run an event figured out what runners are interested in it's certainly grown over the years and it's turned into a pretty fun weekend of running events so on saturday there's a 50k and then on sunday a half marathon 10k and 5k and a family fun run and you know three years ago we added the 50k and it's particularly interesting. It's it's kind of a, a microcosm for our work in a way because it, at the heart of our mission is connecting our community to those landscapes. And so this race, it starts right at the depot, right at the train station downtown, and then it, it connects on the Whitefish Trail, up through Haskell, connects up to Whitefish Mountain Resort, and then you literally summit Big Mountain. You do about a, you know, a 10 or 12-mile loop up there, and then you come right back to town. So You know, you're starting in the heart of our downtown. You're going out and you're having an epic adventure up in the Alpine at the top of Big Mountain, and and then you're coming right back to town. We also, what's really unique to this ultra marathon is that we partner with the Great Northwest Oktoberfest, uh, which is also in Depot Park at the same time. So, you know, the the runners are starting at 7 a.m. right at sunrise, but then you're finishing right in Depot Park uh, at the beer garden. So, if you can stomach a beer, we will have one ready for you when you go back to
0: town. <laughs> this sounds like the perfect race. I can't, I mean, starting downtown, the adventure that you're going to go on, finishing with a craft beer, that that absolutely sounds perfect. Well, We were talking a little bit about the actual trail itself, because I, I think when people listen and go, oh, we're going to summit a mountain, we're going to, like, that sounds maybe hard. Talk to us a little bit about the trail, because it's pretty runnable, as you were telling me earlier.
1: Yeah, you know, the Whitefish Trail generally, we've got 47 miles of trail on the ground and 15 trailheads that we've developed just in the past 12 years. You know, through all of our partnership agreements, working private landowners, and then raising an incredible amount of money from state, federal grants, and then local donors to actually, you know, build it. But what what makes the Whitefish Trail unique is that we've been able to design all of the trail system from scratch. And so when you, when you get out on the Wipers Trail, it almost has its own feel and personality to it. You know, it's different than other trails that are in Flathead County, for example. So the Wipers Trail is extremely runnable. It's, it's designed with that multi-use in mind. And so whether you are going out for a hike or a walk or trail run, even take your horse on the trail, it, it's going to be more of that family-friendly kind of cross-country style trail system. The 50K route in particular We've heard from participants that it's pretty forgiving. You know, the total elevation gain over the course of a 31 mile run is only about 5,000 feet. It might sound a lot like a lot if you're in Texas, but you know, compared (laughs) to some other big mountain runs, it's it's actually not too bad. And the trail system is really runnable. The whole course is pretty runnable. There's there's a few grunts once you get up into the alpine up at Whitefish Mountain Resort, but otherwise, we've heard it's extremely, extremely runnable. And actually, the first year, this guy set our course record you know the first year but i, I don't know if it's going to get broken is 359 wow to run to run a 50k and you know That's with five thousand for so you know it's moving it's moving fast
0: and, and tell us a little bit about the size of the race and you know how many people you said you, you've been it's in 11 years but only three for the 50k talk to us a little bit about the size
1: yeah for, so for the whole weekend last year we had about 600 runners it's, it's definitely a small intimate race in the 50k in particular we have a permit max with the forest service at 400 runners and last year only 150 people registered so we've got a lot of room to grow our aid stations are you know that's kind of what we pride ourselves on is is having some fun engaging aid stations with volunteers but we've got a lot of room to grow and it's not a busy race by any means so we anticipate you know, ultras are becoming more and more popular that we will sell out in the next few years, but probably not this year. So I'd say if, if you want to get in early before we have to go to a crazy lottery system, now would be a good time to do it.
0: Yeah. Get in early, be, be one of the pioneers for this race. And, and talk to us a little bit too, if someone is interested, we'll talk later about the website and where to go to, but just in terms of staying in town, what's, what are the opportunities there? Where would someone go and stay?
1: Right. So, you know, we are, Lucky here in Whitefish, it's a resort community, and there's there's a lot of unique lodging, hotels, bed and breakfasts that are typically full in August when everybody's coming here for the summer season, and so October is kind of our our down season, shoulder season. So inventory is up, prices go down, and people shouldn't have any trouble finding a place to stay, whether it's you know in an Airbnb rental or short term rental. But on Sunday. The half marathon, 10K, and 5K are actually out at a place called the Whitefish Bike Retreat. And it's this super cool lodge that's that's right on the Whitefish Trail. So you can you can stay there and then race there and then you know finish up and, and stay, get a, a sauna or an ice bath or whatever you need to do at the bike retreat. So that's an option for people to actually stay on course if they wanted to do that.
0: Man, it sounds like there's something for everyone. For the ultra runner that wants to do the 50, they can do that on... Saturday, for those that maybe want shorter distances, Sunday, for those that don't run at all, you got the, the saunas? I mean, this sounds like the perfect event.
1: Yeah, well, I appreciate you having me on to talk about it. I think, like I kind of mentioned earlier, trails are something that people take for granted sometimes and don't realize how much work and thought goes into not only developing that trail system, but trying to maintain it long term. What we've seen the past couple of years with COVID is this huge increase in trail use we have infrared trail counters out at a couple of our trailheads and you know, the use exploded when everything shut down. It was like, yeah, people are going to go out on a free trail system because all the gyms and the ski resort and everything's closed. So with that, with the increased use comes this extra burden for maintenance that I think every public land manager is dealing with. They are certainly dealing with it before COVID, but now it's kind of exacerbated itself. So to your listeners, I would say wherever you are, wherever you're running on trails, I guarantee you there is a nonprofit partner organization who's working to ensure that public access stays open through ongoing maintenance or new development projects. So there's opportunities for everybody to get involved, whether you are a volunteer or you can open up your checkbook and support organizations that way.
0: That's great, Alan. I love that. And, and what, a, what a great opportunity to, to, to go to an event one that's probably going to be different than you've you've ever done. Something you know, making memories, but also be able to, to give back into the trail system. Because I imagine the proceeds go right back into the trails.
1: Yeah, that's right. It is, you know, it's an outreach event for us, but at at its core, it's a fundraising event. So, a hundred percent of the pro, proceeds come back to us. We are the race directors. You know, I'm literally going to be on the microphone at the starting line. So we don't contract out the race directing at all. And this is, this is our race. We're pretty proud of that. And a hundred percent of the proceeds come right back to our nonprofit.
0: Love it. Love it. I guarantee there's big ass runner herd members right now looking at their calendar, seeing if they can make it out there, <laughs> including myself. I'm, I told you earlier, I'm going to, I'm going to look and see if I can't make my way out there in October, October 1st and 2nd. Well, Alan, if someone wanted to get more information, what, what would they do? Is there a website where they could go to?
1: Yeah, just, dot whitefishlegacy.org is our homepage. And then you can find the Whitefish Trail Legacy Run right on our website. You know, the sign-up page is on Run Sign-Up, which I think most people are familiar with. But more information is certainly available on our website. You know, and October is just such a great time in Montana, early month, early October especially, because we've got these trees here called Western Larch Trees. It's one of the only conifer so it, it drops its needles every year, is what I'm trying to say. It looks awesome. like a pine tree, but every fall it drops its needles and you get this incredible light show of these bright yellow, orange pine needles during that specific time in late September, early October. So it's just a beautiful time to come to Montana and and also you never know what you're gonna get. The first year we did the race it was a full on blizzard. I think we had six or eight inches of new snow overnight before the race at the summit of Big Mountain. And then last year it was 55 degree t-shirt weather at the top so that's kind of one of the appeals too is you never know what you're going to get as far as the weather's concerned
0: love it well that sounds awesome and again thanks for what you guys are doing to pr- protect the trails out there in whitefish and big ass runner herd members let's let's find our way out there and support those trails it sounds like just like an, an amazing experience and an amazing race so alan thanks so much for joining us
1: yeah thanks for having me i really appreciate the time
0: we'll talk soon well, one of the things we absolutely love to do is to give shout outs and kudos to the big ass runners out there just making it happen. And this week we have the great Dustin Fonzo. Dustin just completed his first half marathon distance he actually did it accidentally he said with a strategic run-in with the kind folks at north end run club but he completed that half marathon out there in virginia beach great job dustin thanks for the shout out on on completing that as well way to go dustin Well, my next A race, I think I've shared this on the show before, is actually a road race. I don't do very many road races, prefer the trails, but I've not done a road marathon. Actually, I've only done one road full marathon. I've done quite a few halves, but only one full road marathon. It was my very first race of any kind. That's not true. I'd done a half marathon before this, but it was my first marathon distance. 2001 at what used to be called the White Rock Marathon. Now it's called the Dallas Marathon. And it was just get it done. Finish line was going to be a big win. I finished that race at 5.14 and change and was super happy about that. Actually negative split the second half. So that was great too. But I've had a goal in the back of my mind. Could I go back to a road marathon and shave an hour and 14 minutes off my time. Could I break the four hour mark? I've broken the two hour mark and a half, but could I do it for a full marathon? And so that's my next A race. It's in December. It's in Brian college station. It's a very flat course. So it's definitely a PR a bull race. And part of what I want to do is be in my best shape and have my best race at that race and part of what I know is that I don't have the best form. That's no surprise to anybody. Do you guys get your race photos and you go, you know, what I think I look like in this photo do not sink. I don't look like that. I. It looks like, you know, both feet are on the ground. I'm kind of clomping along and I, you know, I picture myself, you know, a little bit more like a Jim Walmsley. Uh, actually, that's a lie. I know I don't run like Jim Walmsley. I don't run like Timmy Time. Just remember, it's not a lie if you believe. If you've ever seen Timmy Time run, it is a thing of beauty. So I thought, you know, I'd love to improve. And, and honestly, part of it is to stay healthy and running into my, I am in my later years. Well, you know, depends on who you ask. But I want to run into my later years and to do that I want to stay injury free and I think form and all that sort of thing could be improved and when I saw on one of Nick Bear's videos he went to this place called Run Lab and Run Lab I think does a lot of things so obviously specializes in runners but one of the things they do is they will analyze your gait your stride your running form and we are very clear on the show. We're not a technical podcast. We don't talk a lot about it, but I thought I would share my experience because I think it's it's helpful. Can you improve your running form? Are you kind of born with a running form? Can you improve it? I know I'm supposed to pick up my feet more. I trip all the time. I kind of scoot and I know that. And so I'm wondering, can I improve that? When I try to run, what I think... Jim Wamsley or Timmy time look like. It feels strange. It feels like I'm prancing. I don't know if you guys have that same feeling. So I thought, hey, let me check out Run Lab. And it turns out that they actually took my insurance. So I scheduled a trip to go down to Austin and meet with them. And I thought I'd take you all along. So we're going to hear a couple of clips from my experience at Run Lab. And we'll start very early on a Friday morning. Well, I'm here in beautiful Austin, Texas. It's early on a Friday morning. I am sitting outside Run Lab. We're going to get our, we, me, the Clydesdale here is going to get his gait analyzed today. I don't think the people inside this building have any idea what they're getting themselves into. I'm sure there's a flurry of activity inside, data scientists and whatnot ready to study, this Clydesdale's Gate. I'll report back and let you know what we find out. Well, I went in, and p- first of all, the people there were awesome, very friendly, very fun. They work with runners. That's what they do. They help runners get better, get healthy, run healthy, stay healthy, hit those goals. And so I met with one of the doctors. He was awesome, and he analyzed my, my feet, which uh, was Probably a little bit disheartening for him. Mm -hmm. I apologized ahead of time. You know, trail runner feet sometimes, not the greatest. But uh, he didn't seem too alarmed and and had me kind of walk back and forth. And then I got on a treadmill and they videoed that. So ran on a treadmill with my Saucony Road shoes. And then they had me actually take those off and run barefoot. And so here's a little bit of the the post-visit commentary well that was a lot of fun first of all very nice people inside the run lab and analyze the walk and the feet which was i think they had to call in specialists they'd never seen anything quite like that before filmed me running both barefoot and non if you've ever run barefoot on a treadmill it is a very interesting experience but we'll get the results back soon Actually, they did not seem as shocked by my gait as I was was thinking that they would. So, I'll report back when we have some results. Yeah, got the results back within a few days. What's really cool is they actually will talk while they're while you're seeing yourself run, and have a little clicker and show you know where you're off. And what. So, a couple of things I learned about myself. One is I land on the outside of my foot and then rotate inward. And so that is just inefficient. And if you can fix that, it's a microsecond that you'll save. But if you imagine a microsecond times however many steps that you take, which for me is a lot, you can save a lot of time. The other thing is on my left foot, I have a heel whip, which means my left heel whips inward a little bit and then rotates back out when I land. Again, just something inefficient. And something I need to work on. And then the third thing is that when I land, I think it's because of my left foot, I've got a bunion on my left foot, that I land and and kind of lower my left hip to, I think it's to kind of ease the blow, so to speak. And so that's something else that I need to work on. And so that was a video they sent. So I had a follow-up appointment about three days after that, and... This was a virtual appointment, so I actually, was on Zoom from McKinney, Texas, to Austin, and the doctor worked me through. Actually, had me do some some movements, showed me my gait versus what it should look like. And the bottom line is, and this is one thing he said, I shared with Alice and my wife, just thought was really funny, is basically I spend no time in the air, and if you're running, you should spend some time in the air. I basically go heel to toe and I've never got a foot that's not touching the ground. And the doctor said, Hey, Jeff, you're basically fast walking. Now that was one of those, you know, Rodney danger field moments where you're like, well, Hey doc, how about a second opinion? Oh, you're ugly too. That, that hurt a little bit, but he's right. As I looked at my stride. And so he showed me one of the other doctors running and said, this is what we're going to achieve we're going to work together to get to this and basically it's lifting my foot up kinda like I'm like I'm going over a little bit of a beach ball and then landing under my body and so he gave me some drills to work on that and so I guess what I'm saying and, and what I wanted to share with a big S runner herd is you can always improve you can always get better I could stay the way I am now and and be totally fine. There's, there's no real injury risk, but he said, you're, you're probably going to be limited to about a 10 mile per hour pace. And I can, I can run the roads a little bit faster than that, but it's just not as efficient as if I learn kind of this new way. And, and what he's, the drills that he gave me, it was really interesting. He said, just do these drills for 30 seconds and then go right back to the way you feel comfortable running. Don't try to run differently, do these drills and then continue your running and every mile or so, just 30 seconds, do these drills. And he said, what will happen is you'll get just a little bit better. You'll just get a little bit better. Let's say the first week you'll get maybe 10% better. And then the next week you'll get 20% better. And he said, over time, You'll start to run the way that quote I want you to run. This is more efficient, more up in the air, uh, more landing underneath your body, more you know, kicking your leg up versus scooting along the ground. And he said it'll actually start to feel weird going back your old way of doing it because I told him I said we well, you know when, when I when I see it and he had me kind of okay. So that's that's what it's supposed to do. It just feels weird. It feels like I'm prancing. It just feels awkward. And he said, "That's that's right. Because you're so used to the old way. But incremental changes, small changes, thirty second drills, go back to the old way. Over time, you'll improve. At some point, going back to the old way will actually feel strange. So I'm really excited to go through this process. And I just wanted to share this with the big runner herd as a encouragement." Because I think on this show, we're about encouraging and entertaining. And if you want to get better at running, I think it's possible. I will continue to share as I learn and hopefully get a little bit better. I've got another checkup with him in a week. And so my two or three times I run this week, I will be doing those drills. And we'll see if I can make that even 10% improvement. And over time, the goal would be to run more efficiently Quicker, healthier, run longer. Well, hope you enjoyed that. It was a fun experience. If you're interested in it, by the way, we've got no relationship with Run Lab whatsoever. I found them to be really knowledgeable, a fun group to work with, and my insurance covered it, which was great. So, Run Lab Austin, I think, is the URL. You can find it if you're interested. I'm sure they can work with you virtually. Again, we get no benefit from it. They're not a promotional partner or anything like that. I just found it to be really helpful, really insightful, and I thought I'd share that with you. Well, with that, I'll continue to share as I learn how to improve my gait. Well, believe it or not, that is the end of episode number ninety of the Pig Ass Runner. Thanks so much to everyone that was involved with the show. Caleb for that amazing introduction to Alan Davis for sharing that amazing, amazing, cool race. And man, put it on your list. Go to that race and give back to the trails and have an amazing experience. The gateway of the Glacier National Park—that's incredible. Super, super cool. And thanks to Run Lab, they have no idea that I'm even sharing this information probably, but really appreciate them and their expertise in helping this Clydesdale get better. All your data scientists behind the scenes, I'm sure, will make it happen. Well, hey, one thing I'd love for you to do is if you need a running jacket or running vest, I just saw that Sarah posted that she is working on a new line of vests. Check out vanderjacket.com. They are the absolute best running jackets and vests. I actually wear mine more for fashion because I think they're that stinking awesome. They are, they're works of art, quite honestly. vanderjacket.com. Sarah Vander Newt is just one of the best people I've ever met. So check them out and as always a big thanks to our audio engineer steve say it isn't so saunders well with that thanks again so much for listening get out there hit those trails and keep running your asses off At the Javelina Hundred, Javelina Hundred, that's awesome. Alan is the director of development for the Whitefish Legacy, for the Whitefish Legacy Partners. Tell us a little bit about that and and why you you guys. Uh, that was see that's, that's where I messed up on one of Nick Bear's videos. He went to this. He went. Oh. Over time, you'll improve, and at some point, feeling. At some point, going back to the old way, way, at some point, going back to the old way will actually feel strange. Well, with that, that's the end of segment two. Okay. That's not how I wanted in end that segment. Steve, I will have to um, think of something better.